Hey, my baddie booze, and welcome, or welcome back to Bad Witch Podcast, the podcast where we are going to get our witch shit together one spell at a time. Sorry, I'm already laughing. <laughs> because, okay, so I'm in a new hotel in Paros. I know, y'all are listening, you're like, how many hotels are you going to go to? Um, This is my fourth, fifth of this trip. Listen, it's been a lot. But I was so hyped because I was like, okay, the acoustics are really, really good in here. I don't have like the crazy reverberation, the echoing, you know, we got this. And then I started talking at the decibel I use to record the podcast and I am hearing my own voice being thrown back to me. Like I'm in the Grand Canyon or something. It's like, hello, hello, hello. Or like, where are those old cartoons where it's the sound, like you say something and the sound just starts bouncing. You know what? I think I'm just talking about Flubber again. This is not a Flubber fan cast. I don't know why I talk about Flubber so much. But it's again, that visual of it just bouncing around. I feel like that's what my voice is doing in this room. But you know what? We're going to record. We... All of us, we're going to record, and then I am going to do my damnedest to try to get the sound as perfect as possible. I told y'all I am like a good, clear, I'm a clear queen. I want a clear sound. I want a clear picture. We're going to do it together. And you know what? This is the last podcast I'm recording from Europe for now. So I mean, it's not like I'm picking up and moving to Europe next week, but you know, I travel and stuff. And then next week I'll be in my normal <laughs> situation, so I'll get some normal sound back. Anyway... Um, hi, how are you all doing? I miss you. I feel like we talk once a week, but it's just, I don't know. Is it enough? I feel like it's not enough. Thank goodness for the Facebook group. Oh, speaking of the Facebook group, we have a hundred members. Holy cow. That's so crazy. We have a hundred members in the Facebook group and, uh, even more crazy than that, this podcast, Bad Witch, this, this podcast right here, the very one we're sharing. It has over, over now, because this happened like two days ago, it has 10,000 downloads. What the heck? Y'all are the best. 10,000? I don't have 10,000 anything. Like, that's crazy. But I was kind of like counting down, waiting for the number to hit. And I was like, this is, this is going to like knock my socks off. And it freaking did. So yeah, we have a hundred members in the Facebook group. We have over 10,000 downloads right now. I, y'all, what a way to start June. What a way to be easing ourselves into the summer solstice, which is coming up June 21st, June 21st. Y'all, I'm not the best with dates. We know this by now. Um, or knowing what day it is or knowing what time it is. Um, everyone in the Facebook group is still having to be like, no, this is the time in America. <laughs> I know. When I get back to America, I'll be a little more clear headed. Will I? We'll see. But yeah, 10,000 downloads, 100 people in the Facebook group, like cuckoo bananas. Y'all are the best. Um, ain't no coven like our coven. I cannot express it enough how thankful I am, how blessed I am. This is this is not a cursed podcast or a cursed image. This is a blessed podcast. Y'all, you just, I can't even say thank you enough. Uh, 10,000? 10,000? Oh my gosh. Okay. So, <laughs> it's just blowing my mind. And here we are in June. So, and because last week, Patreon was like not down with the get down. We're going to do our Patreon shout outs first because I didn't even get to do them last week. Um, me and Patreon have been in a fight ever since. But 
that's a story for another time. Uh, so for our Patreon shout outs, an extra special thank you, golly, from the bottom of my whole damn heart to Maya, Aurora, Lindsay, Alicia, Courtney, Heidi, Stephanie, Sasha, Brett, Elizabeth, Aaron, Carla, Sola, Amanda, and Lena. Thank you. Um, thank you. Just thank you. There's, there's no words I can say for thank you. <laughs> if hottie still, that's how we say it in Greece. We, as if I live in Greece. <laughs> I've been here for three weeks and I'm like, so we do it this way. Out of control. Um, yeah, y'all, y'all are just the best. And, um, I hope you keep listening and keep telling people about this podcast. And, um, I had so many sweet emails this week about people who are like, Oh, I'm taking notes and I'm learning so much. I'm like, I can't believe people are learning. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm saying all this stuff and putting it out there because I definitely want people to learn and really embrace their witch journey. And it's so not so much easier because it comes with its own complications individually for sure. And no one's witch journey is ever going to be the same, but it's just so much less daunting. So yeah. I didn't want to say easier. It's so much less daunting when you feel like you do have a coven and you feel like you have someone to hold your hand and to be your witch mentor and you know books are wonderful and podcasts are wonderful and uh what are other things people do have conversations <laughs> with other people that's all wonderful but you know it's it's for me and kind of the reason I started doing this besides that my cards yelled at me we talked about that last week uh the reason I really wanted to do this was because I know what a tremendous difference it made for me when I had an actual mentor. And I mean, I, you know, I'm like your witch mom or your witch sister or your witch auntie or witch cousin. And someone can come to and ask questions. And all of us are now that we found each other. God, that's so beautiful. I'm so glad we've all found each other. There's truly no coven like the Bad Witch Coven. You're all such an integral part of this. And not just for the lessons and not just for the downloads and not just for the Patreon, but just like the energy, the collective energy, the vibrations, it's wild. It's, it's wild. So yeah, come join the Facebook group. It's down in the episode notes or search bad, Witch. it, it has to be searchable. <laughs> if a hundred people have found it, I didn't screw it up as badly as I think I did. Um, and if you want to send me an email, I've gotten so many lovely emails lately. They just make my heart grow three sizes. I go from the bad Grinch to the good Grinch every time I read an email, uh, the bad witch podcast at gmail.com. And then Patreon is, uh, patreon.com slash bad witch. If you want to come join, there are readings, uh, yes, no readings, full readings, which speaking of, did you do your homework? Did you do your homework? Okay. I'm going to say, I'm going to give bonus points to the people that I actually saw in the Facebook group offering readings or taking readings. Um, I'm going to be doing that. When do I get back to America? I don't know. Sometimes. <laughs> I don't know what day it is, obviously. But whenever I'm back, I'll be offering them in the Facebook group too. But I hope you all, also, some of y'all got some really amazing decks. Thank you so much for sharing your deck. I really um, think that's such a kind of an intimate, special thing to show someone the deck that you have. Because, you know, we form these really meaningful connections to the cards we use. I mean, they make us, they connect us in a very tangible way to the spiritual world and to our goddess realm. And it is kind of, it's something that you could definitely keep private and kind of hold to yourself and, and have in a really dear place. 
but it's been so beautiful and so fulfilling to see everyone's deck. So thank you so much for sharing them. Um, if you have you just gotten a new deck or you're like, this is my trusty favorite, the one that I've worn the edges off of, <laughs> my, my deck has no edges. Um, yeah, if you have any of those, please share them in the Facebook group. Or if, again, you know what? Not everyone has Facebook. I need to get out of this like Facebook mentality. Like it's 2004. <laughs> I don't have... Facebook ain't paying my bills. Like, Mark Zuckerberg doesn't care about me as a person. Look at the Instagram algorithm. I don't know why I'm so pro-Facebook. I'm truly not. Um, but yeah, if you want to email, if you want to tweet, if you Instagram, call me, beat me if you want to reach me. Listen, you can send a carrier pigeon. Uh, you can send me a message through a crystal vault. Like, however you can do it. Get at your girl. I love seeing more of your witch lives. Like, it's so fun to have conversations. It's so fun to have like the memes and the laughs and all that, but it's really cool to see your altars. It's really cool to see your cards. It's really cool to see candles that you've poured for yourself or potions that you've made for yourself. All of those amazing things. Like we, there is so much variety in the witches that we are. And that's what makes a coven like ours. And hopefully, you know, all practicing coven so strong. You don't want to have monotony and have an environment that's too homogenous because, and this is, you know, not just for our covens, but for our everyday lives. You want to have someone that, someone or someones that bring in a lot of different abilities because, you know, we don't want life to be so flat and so just same, mundane, every day. I know what I'm really, really strong at and what I'm not. <laughs> so reading tarot cards. Although I think it was, I think it was Lena who told me she got or I'm going to mess this up. I Y'all, I've been traveling so long. I have like water in my ears because I've been in Greece for too long. Um, I think it was her who told me she was re got an Oracle deck and like through going through that, it made her able to work with and connect with tarot cards better. Gosh, I hope it was her. If it, if it wasn't you, I'm, if it wasn't you, I'm sorry. If the person who I'm misattributing this to I'm also sorry correct me if I got it wrong but that did make me that did make me think not made me that did make me listen we don't have time for me to figure out how tenses and verbs work right now it did make me think you know in witchcraft because we are these insanely powerful manifestors right and some of us do have it a little bit more than others so we have to be so careful with what we think and what we say and what we write and what we speak say and speak are the same thing. I always do that. I wonder if to some extent I have erected my own barrier with reading tarot cards because I had a few experiences like I talked about when I was about 14 I think and then like 18, 19 where I honestly wasn't totally into my abilities. I mean not kind of at all like a baby I was a true baby witch and was half-heartedly dabbling, to be perfectly honest. And I'm wondering if I have kind of manifested this own thing in myself where I kept saying tarot cards aren't for me and I'm not good at it. It's just not a skill that I don't have that I, you know, perpetuated it. So I, you know, hearing that made me think I should try again. Like what's the harm in trying? I, the worst thing that can happen is that I just don't connect and then I just gift them to someone else. So I am, I'm going to try them again. So if you do have a deck, especially if you're like me and you're coming from a place of you are more handy with Oracle cards, there's a better connection for you there. Or you found that a lot of tarot decks weren't working for you necessarily. Um, give me some suggestions about what decks I should try. 
I <clears throat> come my allergies <laughs> already. Y'all know I have them in Greece too. They go everywhere I go. It's, <sighs> it's my fault. I don't take allergy pills. Anyway, um, I I wonder if because that's another thing about tarot that always really really let's just go back to last week's episode, shall we? Something that really, really overwhelmed me about it was the the options of how many decks are, how many styles they are, how many ways you can read them. And I do wonder if that's my that was my own energy coming out at that point and being like, I feel frustrated by this and I'm overwhelmed by this. I get overwhelmed very easily. <laughs> like, you know, water signs over here, I get overwhelmed very, very easily. And I am the kind of person who really does better with less options than more. Like, trying to plan this trip, I, there's what, 50, I don't know. I always say there's like 40 Greek islands, but I feel like that's vastly overestimating it. I don't know. You think I would have looked it up by now. But even just trying to pick one or two islands to go to took me months. Months, because I am the kind of person where I'm afraid of making the wrong decision as if it's life or death. And something I have to kind of convince myself of all the time is, if no one is seriously injured and no one dies, it's okay. You can change it. You can take it back. If I go one place and it doesn't work, I can simply book a ticket to go somewhere else. But I'm saying all that to say, I wonder if I have created my own barrier with tarot and I took my overwhelmedness, <laughs> overwhelmedness, is that a word? I took my overwhelming feelings and my frustration and the narrative became I'm not good at tarot. Tarot doesn't like me. I can't connect with tarot. So I'm going to try. So if you have any deck recommendations, if you have, if you find it, you found a deck that kind of was the, the one that made it all come through for you. And if you similarly weren't having that much luck with tarot before, I would love to hear what your suggestions would be. Um, or even if you didn't ever have a problem with it, but this is just your favorite deck, then let me know, please put it, uh, wherever, put it wherever you want to talk to me. <laughs> you can talk to me. Look, I'm like two seconds from just giving out my phone number. If y'all want to text me, that's totally cool. We can WhatsApp. We can, well, we can't FaceTime. I hate FaceTime, but, um, I, I know I love a, I love a group chat. Maybe we can do a bad witch group chat or something. Um, uh, but yeah, please let me know. Y'all are, y'all teach me just, you know, as much as I hopefully am putting out as well. So we'll see. Maybe I will pick up a tarot deck and make it. Oh, wouldn't it be so cool if I could find one here in Greece? Except what if it's in Greek? Yeah. Okay. That might not work. <laughs> or, do, okay. That's another question I have for you tarot readers out there that are, because I know some of y'all aren't from the US, which welcome. That's so cool. Uh, you're, yeah. Wow. That's, Dang. Okay. Anyway, sorry, y'all. I'm so overwhelmed by this, all these downloads that Bad Witch has gotten to. I, like, it's just blowing my mind. And so, <laughs> you know, there's every week I'm a little crazier for some reason. This week it's because of that. Because I just, I do, I get so excited to talk to y'all. Like, oh, you just make me so happy. You're just all my precious baddie angels. I love you so much. Um, but yeah, if you are from a different country, you speak a different language, uh, primarily, and English is a second language for you or third or fourth because Lord knows, honey, while I've been in Greece, pe watching people switch between languages has been the tightest thing. I need, I need to do that. I need to uh, start putting this out in a couple languages so the coven can just, we got to hit every corner. <laughs> anyway, 
that's a summer project. Um, yeah, but I'd love to know if you, especially if you are bilingual, trilingual, duolingual, I don't know. If you are all, all of those things, I would love to know how reading cards differentiates in your culture, perhaps. Um, because, you know, which, being witches is an individualized thing, but at certain points and in certain ways it does adhere to more atypically religious beliefs. It's definitely if you're pulling from like Wicca or Voodoo. But it also, we are impacted by it culturally. You know, I've talked about like in the rich ritual, <laughs> should have called it that, episode about being from Louisiana and the impact of like my Creole culture into my witchcraft. So yeah, uh, this was a question about tarot cards, but it's kind of just expanded overall. If you're from a country that is in America, I would love to hear about your kind of witch cultural traditions and how your cards, how you go about doing a reading and how you communicate with your cards. I don't know. Just tell me everything. I'm real geeked out on different uh, cultures from my own kind of all the time, but especially right now because I've been abroad for a hot minute. And it's just fascinating, which speaking of, it's taken me a long time to get to this. I thought this was, I thought we were just going to talk about the downloads and the thank you from the bottom of my heart for like two minutes, but it's Tangent City, babies. Um, I have been in Greece for three weeks by the time this comes out. I'll actually be hippie hopping on a plane to go back to the U.S., like I said, 12 times already. And uh, so, you know, send me your good vibes. They were so appreciated last time. And I will be having our head mama witch in charge. She actually kicked her out of the hotel room. I was like, mommy, I can't. Look, the, the coven can't get a podcast late just because we're traveling. We Listen, they're not going to tolerate it. I'm not going to tolerate it. So I kicked her out of the hotel room and I sent her to go sit in this very beautiful, well-lit area. And the sun's going down right now. So she's fine. Um, but I don't know. I should have her on the podcast, but she would just come on and be like, oh, I don't know. I'm not a witch. I'd be like, okay, sure. Of course you're not. She totally is. I've told you those stories. I have some more. I'm going to pull out of the bag, probably for the Halloween spectacular extravaganza, whatever we're going to call it. But anyway, speaking of being in Greece, I've still been here for three weeks and I am utterly, <laughs> completely, and wholly obsessed with evil eye. Uh, not being on the receiving end of evil eye. I'm trying very hard to avoid that. But every, so when I first got to Crete, which is the first place I went, um, one of the women working where I was staying had this beautiful beaded evil eye bracelet. And I just kind of looked down and I was like, oh, that's so beautiful. Um, I want to get something like that before I leave. And she was like, oh, you know, you go up the road, but she wasn't paying attention. So I just never got it there. <laughs> but when I got to the next place I was going, I was walking by a shop and you just start to see it so much. Like it's definitely mainland, but it's also all over the islands where I've been. And I just started seeing so much and I was like, I have to have that. I am a talisman girl. I love having my talismans. I remember when I was a kid and this is unethical now. I mean, it was probably unethical then, but I had like the four, I was going to say the four leaf clovers. That's not unethical. I had a rabbit's foot. What's wrong? But I find like that's another witch kid thing. It's you collect the crystals, but we're really big on the talismans and the good love charms, right? So I was always hunting for four leaf clovers. I don't think I ever actually found one. It was always three leaf. And I was like, what kind of game is this? What can I not find one because I'm not Irish? <laughs> like, is that what's going on here? 
my grandmother's house, particularly and like my childhood best friend, Courtney, we would just go out for hours and we would look for four leaf clovers. And when I tell you they were nowhere to be found, <laughs> actually, I think she found one once and I was like, oh, well, good luck. <laughs> I was like so jealous. To this day, I've never found one. If you have any hints for finding one, or if you have found one, you're an extra special witch. In fact, I think you might be fae connected if you find four leaf clovers around you. I know some people find them actually. They'll come across them quite a lot. They'll, uh, they kind of have a penchant for it. I think you are a fae connected witch or fairy connected witch if that um, is something that comes into your path. But more on that later. So the evil eye. I have always, when I have traveled around, I've always been like, that's really beautiful. I really just aesthetically like that. I like, you know, kind of the focus on the color blue and the color white. But when I saw it on her and then I was walking around Paros and I saw them, I was like, oh, I need one of those. Again, talisman, talisman baby over here. Um, so yeah, I had my, let's go back for a second. I had a rabbit's foot, which I wouldn't have now. And it was dyed purple. It's such a trend. Um, I also was always collecting bird feathers. I, what else? Bird feathers and rabbit's foot and I was always trying to find four leaf clovers they weren't with it <laughs> is there anything else but yeah that's another kind of witch kid symbol uh not symbol witch kid um evidence I'm gonna say the word evidence that's not the word I'm thinking of but evidence we are so drawn to like these different natural elements that we don't realize in the time are either talismans or tools in witchcraft or you know essential to certain spells or connecting with certain elements we're just like this is cool this is pretty I like this but you know, witch kids, it's more than just crystals. We really do tend to pick up a lot of natural things that carry natural magic. And because we carry natural magic, we're like, oh yeah, I need that in my life. So I was always about a good, a good, good luck charm. So I see the evil eye. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to get it. So I go and buy one necklace and that was two days ago. And I think I went back and spent like a hundred dollars more. I'm a woman possessed. I'm, I'm out of control, but I do honestly, and it's kind of the same thing when I had the rabbits, but as a kid or when I would find a blue jay, blue jay feathers were always my favorite. Um, that was another instance where I would be with like my cousins and I am much more of a pronounced, self-pronounced, uh, out and proud witch than they are. But or I don't know if any of them admitted except for it's just me. I'm just the lone witch in the family. That's that's fine. I'm not a lone witch anymore because I have all of you. We have each other. But I remember we I was like at the lake with one of my cousins, my grandma, and we found morning dove feathers. And so I got one of those and then she found a blue jay feather and I was like, Oh, well, that's nice for you. <laughs> I never handled it well with other people. <laughs> Got the talismans and, and and got the good luck charms that I wanted. And golly, I wonder if if it, if present day, thirty two year old Mickey would have the same reaction. No, I feel like I'm a little more grounded now, and I'd be like, no, that genuinely is good for you. It's a good sign that you found that. But as a kid, as a petty child, I was always kind of jealous. Yeah, I was jealous that um, other people would like find the thing that I was looking for, or I thought the thing they had was better than what I had. But as we kind of know with witchcraft, as we get older and we're not just kids kind of dabbling around in things that we're drawn to, we don't really 100% understand why, it, we get what's meant for us. You know, if my best friend at the time found the four-leaf clover, that's because it was meant for her at that time and it carried whatever energy that she needed 
or if my cousin found the blue jay feather or the cardinal feather, and it was always about the colors. I just wanted something pretty. <laughs> then that was meant for her, and it was drawn to her energy, and it was essential to whatever was going on with her. And if I found the morning dove feather, then, you know, it's good for me. It's it's presenting itself to me for a reason. We've connected, and our energy is matched for a reason. And oh, that's kind of just an, an overarching, you know, theme, is that just be happy with what you have, because what you have is coming to your life for a reason. And don't seek out, you know, what the next person has, because even if you, from your outside perspective, will think, oh, that's better, and I deserve that, I want that, it's just not meant for you. Maybe not ever, maybe just not in that time, but yeah, we, we could all make a concerted effort to probably be happier with what we have. So I took my morning dog feather or whatever, but <laughs> no, it was still beautiful, still meaningful. You know, I still, when I see a bird feather on the ground to this day, I'm like, oh, that's so beautiful. Anyway, so um, I got my, <laughs> got a plethora of evil eye stuff. And if you, I'm sure everyone has seen it, but it's like the blue eye and sometimes it'll have like a white, uh, white, what's it called? Iris? Pupils, no, pupils black, iris is blue, and then the whites of the eyes. You think someone who's been wearing glasses for 27 years would know how to name parts of the eye by now, but clearly not. And so I was actually reading about it. So I was like, I'm very drawn to this. I feel very protected. I do. I feel more calm. I feel, I just feel like nobody can like come at me with the bad shit. You know what I mean? Whenever you find something that you you do that is a talisman for you personally or kind of a wider known talisman for all which kind I feel like everybody is kind of giving me 50 feet and getting no one's trying to get on my neck I feel like the moon can't come for me famous last words <laughs> I feel like Mercury and retrograde can't come for me I feel like the summer solstice whatever whatever mamma jamma is going to get flipped up during that time can't come for me I feel very protected um and it's not just in the sense of warding off something from another individual, but it kind of feels like negative or bad vibrations as a whole. So that's why I went back and I lost my mind and I bought a bunch more. <laughs> they're not all just for me. I'm like, they're getting passed out. But I, I was reading about it. This is such a long way to tell you the history of this, right? So in Greece, the concept of the evil eye comes from antiquity. So it's been in like the writings of ancient Greece, ancient classical Greece. And Plutarch, Plutarch, Plutarch. I took um, one like Greek literature class in college and I could uh, barely pronounce the names then too. So don't worry, 12 years later, I'm still doing great. So from the writings of Plutarch and <laughs> I'm butchering that. Um, and then kind of the, and the evil eye doesn't specifically belong to Greece or in Greece, you know, various things in Various interpretations and various, I'll just say various varieties. What? Uh, various, y'all, my words are not coming to me today. I can't think of the right word. But it, it's present in a lot of cultures. It's not like something that specifically belongs to Greece. But, you know, Alexander the Great did have influence in spreading this concept of the evil eye to other empires while he was kind of running around and conquering things because, you know, men just like to conquer things, can't ever have enough. Maybe chill out on that. Didn't end so well for him. <laughs> a whole library got burned down. That's all I'm saying. Not cool. But so you have the evil eye and it's called Mati. Mati. Yeah. 
And it's basically that the concept of the evil eye is that people can send it to you. The, the gaze of someone is very, very powerful and it can send a curse to you without even having to vocalize anything or to write anything. It's something that can just be on glare. And I will say I'm someone to glare at people a lot. So I wonder if I should kind of stop doing that. I don't want to send any evil eyes back accidentally and get them bounced back to me. But so the evil eye, the mati, is the glare. It's the negative intention. It's the curse. Um, especially, I've read that they try to surround newborn babies a lot with the evil eye. And they like to... Um, it's something that like women have a real picture for. It's something you definitely keep in your home because you just want to keep away any of those curses, any of the, that negativity. And the two, the two explanations I, I read for it was one that wearing a piece of jewelry with evil eye or, or the Mati or um, having it in your home or having it hanging somewhere or just someplace that's sacred to you and somewhere that's grounded is that one, it can reflect it back. So it kind of bounces off, like say flubber would bounce off of something. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. So it can bounce off. But also the concept is kind of like an eye for an eye. So it meets its own balance. So if you are receiving the evil eye, your evil eye kind of meets in the middle and is like, uh-uh, not today. You can turn that right around and send it back to where it came from. So if you, I'm sure a lot of you already know about the evil eye. Um, I just really, I knew what it was and I knew the purpose that it served, but I didn't really know the history about it. So I wanted to deep dive it a little bit and uh, just learn more about it because I, I know we're all looking for... I don't know if we're all necessarily looking for different talismans, but I think when you are a witch, whether you're a baby witch or you're a grown witch, <laughs> a mature witch, <laughs> I don't know what to call it, you are always working and expanding your practice and always kind of just fine tuning things. And so if you've been looking to add something to your altar, to your person, that isn't necessarily just our crystal of the week, you know, it's going to take us a long time to get through all the crystals you may want. Um, the evil eye may be a really, really wonderful thing to add into your practice or to wear. I mean, I'm not taking this thing off. It's going to have to rot off of my body. I mean, not in a gross way. <laughs> like, it'll just have to get so worn that it comes off because the feeling I have with it on, it kind of, and this goes back to the saying, like, you know, what's meant for you will find you in the right time. Like, whether it's the feathers or the clovers, all the things when I was a little kid, the crystals that I would find, this... I didn't realize that I was seeking this evil eye. It just came to me when I needed it. And now that I have it on, I'm like, how have I gone without it? So if it's something you're kind of, especially if you feel like you've had, I mean, to be frank, feel like you've been cursed or feel like you have some, this is there. It's especially, 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 especially espresso. Got it. It's especially really working against the concept of some someone having it out for you in a way, as opposed to something. Like sometimes I feel like Mercury is personally trying to like throw hands. I think Mercury wants to fight me and like I'm ready for it. <laughs> or sometimes I feel like the moon is just out to get me, you know, like as my, like, come on, man, I do so much. I try to make you happy. I, I try to honor the moon as much as I can, but sometimes she just got it out for me and maybe I do deserve it. But the evil eye deals not just with these kind of unseen forces or unseen concepts of, of people, of not people, of, of, um, unseen entities kind of coming for you. It really does deal with people. And you know, people, and not to say we should be mistrustful of other people, 
but we should always be aware of who is around us and always try to take a deeper look at why they're there and if they want something what they want you hopefully will only be surrounded with people that are genuine people that are loving people that support you people that want the best for you but even in those situations it depends on you know jealousy is such a human emotion and envy that's such it, those things are so human and it's kind of really hard. Like the thing when I was a kid and someone else would get the feather I wanted, I would be jealous. <laughs> like, I would be legitimately upset and jealous about that. And it's such a human emotion. Even when we try to control it, even on our best days, even with the people we love the most, sometimes it is hard to say, oh, I'm a hundred percent happy for you. I'm so glad everything is going perfectly for you. Wonderful. <laughs> you know, especially if we're going through a period where things aren't going so well for us, it happens and it's normal. So even if you're surrounded by good people that love you tremendously and support you tremendously, it's always good to have something like an evil eye talisman, necklace, pillow, purse. I saw a really cute purse today I might go back and buy, but this is not about my shopping problem because even with the best people in the best situations, feelings of jealousy and that kind of stuff can creep in. And there's the whole outside group of people who genuinely may not like you. Not everyone likes everyone. Not everyone needs to like all, like, you don't need to like me. You don't need to like members of my coven. We like each other. We're good. Our bond is strong. We have our evil eyes, so don't worry about it. But so it's not just necessarily for people that you've had issues with, enemies, the naysayers, you know, whomever who may throw something just unpleasant your way, but it can even protect you from people that don't mean it. That's, you know, it's, it can be such a nefarious thing when people do genuinely love you and care about you, but they just can't help that human part of themselves and that, that we all have. We just, sometimes we cannot help but feel jealous about something. Sometimes we can't help but think, well, why not me? You know, why is X, Y, Z happening for another person? And we should try as hard as we can to not fall into that. Because it's not healthy for us to be dwelling in a space like that. And again, it's because what's meant for them is what's meant for them. And what's meant for me is what's meant for me. And those things do not need to cross each other. But we also don't want to be sending out that kind of, to quote Mary J. Blige, hateration to someone that we love and care about, you know? So yeah, if you want to embrace the Mati, I'm definitely, I have fully embraced it. My bank account has embraced it. My friends are about to embrace it because they're all getting something. But yeah, I just wanted to uh, share that talisman. If you didn't know that much about it, just to give you like a little more background on it, because I didn't know, and I did a little, well, the the briefest research. But just because, and you know what's another thing? I, hi, welcome to the Evil Eye podcast, where we just talk about evil eyes. I always wondered why the actual symbol was called evil eye, because, you know, in my brain it was, well, if it's a good thing, if it's a good talisman or it's a good luck symbol or whatever you want to, however you want to refer to it, why would you call it an evil eye? Like, does it mean that I have the evil eye or I want the, I was so confused <laughs> by most things. So I wanted to read about it too, because I wanted to one, make sure I was referring to it correctly. So you can say evil eye or mati, mati. I'm still learning uh, Greek inflections because apparently I think I live here. Uh so I wanted to learn if that was actually the name for it. And if when I was saying evil eye, I was thinking that it does the right thing. Oh, something else that I learned, I think y'all might know this already, is that um, people with, so it's it's always a blue eye. 
in, it's thought in Greece, in parts of Greece, that people with blue eye or green eye are, blue, blue eye, eyes, hopefully, two eyes, blue eyes or green eyes, are more powerful with the casting of the evil eye. So if they want to cast a curse on you, or they want to put, in, you know, an incantation or a spell, it's thought that people with blue and green eyes naturally are the ones that are the most powerful, can really cast that raise out. So I'm just saying, like, if you have someone in your family with blue or green eyes, just, like, be cool. Don't make them too mad. If you personally have blue or green eyes, you know, um, yeah, I hope we're on good terms. No. <laughs> I know none of you would ever purposely, maliciously send out um, evil eyes to anyone. But I thought that was really cool and that it is the insignia of having the blue eye and it's it's beautiful. Just like blue eyes are beautiful and green eyes are beautiful and brown eyes are beautiful. All of us brown eye havers are kind of always pushed to the side, but they're all beautiful. But I, in particular, the pendant's really lovely with the blue eye. So yeah, that is your crash course on evil eye and why I am adding it to my practice and to my everyday life to protect me as a walk, walking, living, breathing witch and light worker and why I think it's valuable to all of us. Okay, so we actually have a different topic this week, which is in the evil eye. Yeah, I just get on tangents, y'all. Um, at least I haven't talked about the craft yet. We might make it through. Mm. I was gonna say we're gonna make it through the whole episode without talking about it, but that's probably a lie, let's be honest. And I haven't talked about Bill Skarsgård yet, but you know, there's always time. Okay, so this week, I... Wanted to uh, talk about something that was a question in the Facebook group a few weeks ago, maybe a couple months ago at this point. But what kind of witch are you? Are you a kitchen witch? Are you a hedge witch? Are you an elemental witch? Uh, an eclectic witch? A hereditary witch? Are you a good witch or a bad witch? <laughs> we have all these different types of witches. And I think this would be a good time because we've been through the elements, we've been through the card reading, and we've uh, talked about the evil eye for two hours. <laughs> I think it would be a good time to kind of break down different kinds of witches you can be. Because, you know, like I said, like I said three hours ago when I started this podcast, not all witches will have the same journey. Not no, none of us will have the same journey. There's no like two identical journeys for a witch. We're all on our different path. We, we talked to our girl Una a couple weeks ago and we know that all of our timing and our journey is perfect for us and that the destination is going to be there and we don't have to rush and scream and cry and bleed and sweat trying to get there. Are we going to do all that stuff a little bit? Of course, that's life. But, you know, we can take our time. Timing and pacing is everything. So just like we all have different journeys, we are all different kinds of witches and as I was kind of pointing out earlier, as I was foreshadowing, Hopefully better than any episode of Game of Thrones ever did. I still haven't watched the last episode, which is why I haven't gone on a full tangent about it yet. I don't know if I am going to watch it. This isn't a Game of Thrones podcast. Anyway, um, so I was kind of foreshadowing earlier is that, you know, variety is the spice of life. And it is also necessary to have a lot of different kinds of witches around you because we can all fill in the gaps for, for, for the coven and for each other. And if I'm not necessarily a kitchen witch and I can't put my spells and my magic and my love into food or into potions, I'll have someone in my coven who can. And, you know, I, I can help her. I I was really thinking about this. We're going to go into a whole thing about what kind of witches you are. Um, but I had a moment when I was at the beach recently. And 
so I was in this beautiful clear water. I'm a clear water snob. I told you all that. And I was thinking about doing this episode and I was looking around and noticed I hadn't seen any of the fish in a while. And I, I'm not the kind of person who's like afraid of fish or seaweed in the water. I'm like, oh, I'll talk to them and kind of chill out. And I, I just realized I say and and not and. Oof, listening to your own voice is rough. And <laughs> I was out in the water and so I started thinking like, oh, where are the fish? Fishies? Fishies? Where are the fishies? I, like, come here. And I just kept thinking like, come here. I want to see you. And all of a sudden, a school of fish would come flying up. Or not flying, swimming. Flying? <laughs> they would come swimming up. And so it happened a few times where I would just be walking through the water. I didn't put my head under because it, it was very cold. My mom kept making fun of me. But she's like a full witch and I'm just like, you know, getting there. So she can she has powers I do not have yet. But every time I would look down, it would be totally clear. I'd be like, oh man, where are the fish? Come here. And a school would swim up to me. And I was like, wait a minute. Am I a sea witch? Is that what's going on here? So it turns out I may be Ursula from The Little Mermaid. Like I might not be Storm from X-Men. The jury is still out on that. But I may be Ursula. Which would really work for me. Um, because I like having command of aquatic life to do my bidding. I love a mean red lipstick. Um, I love a shock of silver hair. And I love like a, a tight black dress with a fringe. So if I am Ursula, then things have actually really turned out well for me. So I think I might be a sea witch. But while we're deep diving all the different kinds of witches, this might have to be a two-parter because I've talked a lot about <laughs> the evil eye and other things and feathers and what whatever else I talked about earlier. I talked about a lot, so we may have to two-part this. Then, no problem. We always have more things we talk about, and we always have more weeks to talk about them during, so no issue at all. Um, I do also want to say, if you don't hear your brands of witchcraft mentioned, then uh, write to me. Let me know. I will definitely put it into the second part. We will do uh, a correction. <laughs> we will do an add-on. We will do whatever it takes. I don't want anyone to feel left out. And so if I haven't mentioned the kind of witchcraft that you ascribe to and you feel that you're, um, you feel like is kind of your makeup, then let me know. And also if I say all the ones that we're going to go through and you don't feel like you align with anyone, any of them, that's fine too. You could just be your own witch. You could be, if it was me, I could be Mickey witch and it's just my own brand of witching and it's perfectly fine. So don't stress. If you don't hear one, you are... Like, yes, that is me, and that's why I know who I am. That's what my witchcraft is. It's okay, because you may not fit into one of those, and there's nothing wrong with not fitting in. And maybe you just haven't gotten so far into your practice and gotten able to dabble enough, because I know a lot of you are baby witches out there, that it it just hasn't quite all fit together yet. It's kind of like, you know, putting a triangle peg into a round hole. It's just not quite a fit. So, you know, this is definitely an episode you can only also come back and reference and be like, okay, now that I've really got into it and seen what's I've been, what direction I've been pulled in, then yeah, I am a kitchen witch or I am a green witch. And I just love an herb. I just, I just love lavender. <laughs> I just love a potion, you know? So don't stress out if you don't hear your, your type of witchcraft because you A, haven't discovered it yet or B, because I, I'm ignorant to it. And if I am, send it over and we will definitely, definitely hit it in um, the following episode. If we do two-parter this and if we don't, I'll still bring it up at the beginning. And talk about it for 30 minutes because, you know, that's what I do. <laughs> All right. So I want to actually do our crystal of the week before we start our um, 
our, our witchy types breakdown because we've been putting at the end the last few weeks and our beloved crystals deserve to have a robust position in the middle, I think. And also because we're, be we'll be because I need one for communication. Where's my crystal cola from last week? Let me get some clear communication out here. Oh, y'all, sorry, side note. Um, when I was in Athens, we went, my, my mommy, my, my head witch out there that I thought is still kicked out of the room. We went to the Acropolis Museum. So, you know, the Acropolis is where the Parthenon is. I always get Parthenon and Pantheon confused, um, which was like the Temple of Athena. Oh, y'all, there's so much I want to tell you. It's just hitting me. But basically, you know, Athena is one of our goddesses that we deal with, especially in my deck that I talk about a lot. And it had the Pantheon of the Greek gods and Zeus and Poseidon and Artemis and all these goddesses that I work with in my cards all the time. So it was like this really, really cool experience to be up there and to, you know, feel the history and the vibrations, you know, I'm sure there was a lot of witchcraft going on up there. There were a lot of cults of Dionysus and, you know, certain gods. And so they were getting their rituals and their incantations popping. Even that's not, not what they teach you in school or teach you at the Acropolis Museum, you know they were getting their rituals popping. <laughs> but I digress. There's a lot of really magical witch energy up there. It's so cool. But anyway, we were, here's a side note to a side note. We were at the Acropolis Museum, which is kind of across the Acropolis. And <laughs> we were walking through the, the museum and they were showing us these, there's like different dyes that they would show us that, you know, the ancient Greeks used to dye things. That's what you do with dye. And one of the, there was eight colors up there. And one of them was specifically Chrysocola. I was like, oh, I love it. You know how much I love when all every all the witch things line up together. You know, that just freaking knocks my socks off. I, that's the second time I've used that phrase this week. I'm really feeling it. But yeah, it was so cool. You know, I just love that. We were just talking about Chrysocola, all of us together as a coven. And that was our crystal last week. And I walk up to this thing in the middle of Greece where I'm just like, you know, exploring around and there is Chrysocola. So I hope you all got your Chrysocola last week. It was definitely shining through. It was showing itself and being like, hey girl, I'm here. Let's get this goddess communication on and pop in. Your, here's your Chrysocola. Here's Athena's monument and temples. I mean, could it be more perfect and fall into place? Y'all know I love when like the witch stuff lines up. Okay, anyway, so we're going to do our crystal of the week first because, you know, we just don't want to put it at the end. And because we're going to be talking about so many different types of witches, there's not one that we need to, like, ascribe to each one. Let's just get one going that's good for us this week, and then we will go into our witches. So our beautiful crystal of the week or stone of the week, this is technically a stone, I guess. I mean, one day I am going to sit down and learn the difference, but we've branded it crystal of the week, so here we are, is... Howlite. H-O-W-L-I-T-E. Howlite. Um, I have found out that it's actually named after the person who discovered it, whose last name was Howl. I always thought it was Howl, like what wolves do at the moon. So that gave it an extra level of like witchery and magic to me. But no, it was actually just named after Gentleman Howl. Anyway, it doesn't make it any less magic of a stone. So I wanted to do Howlite in conjunction with doing Chrysocola last week. Because I found those two stones at the same time. And as much as Chrysocola is about connecting with the goddesses and being in that feminine energy and being such a clear communication stone, how light is a really good balance for that energy, but also a good balance for us as witches and works with any type of witch. I hope. I hope I'm not going to start going through all of them and be like, wait a minute. 
I distinctly remember that sea witches actually are allergic to halite. No, it's good for all of us. And the reason that um, it was in conjunction with Prisicola when I bought that bracelet I talked about last week where I was doing the public readings for the first time and just, you know, needed something to to get me kind of all together is that it is an incredibly calming stone, which we could all use a little calm in our lives, right? It's very calming. And it I always think of it as a stone that is about elevating. So not only does it elevate our witchcraft, but it elevates us as people because it brings a lot of calm and can reduce stress and anxiety and especially reduce aggression. And not just aggression in us. It's something that can be, it's a stone that can be used to kind of create a barrier against aggressiveness and meanness. And those kind of, those heavy, you know, just those emotions that can really come from other people, like, hey, talking about the evil eye thing, right? That can come from other people and try to just attack us in a way. Like it, it can feel like an attacker just almost malevolent, that kind of anger, that kind of aggression. And so it creates a barrier for us and it also alleviates it away from us. And one thing that I, not just one thing, the thing I think I love the most about the stone is it's a really big aid in releasing any kind of attachments. <laughs> now, it's not bad to be attached to things, right? I'm very attached to my dog, even though she's a little monster and she likes to interrupt this podcast, you know? That's fine. Um, but not only do we form attachments in this lifetime that can be unha unhappy, yeah, unhappy and unhealthy is the word I was going for, but we also form attachments through our lifetimes. And that's so much what we talked about in the cord cutting episode. And howlite is a very, very powerful stone that deals with healing overall. And in a specific sense, deals with healing of breaking attachments and of severing those ties and anything that's in this lifetime or from a lifetime before, how light, you know, doesn't care where the bad energy is coming from. It's just there to get rid of the bad energy. So it allows us to elevate because we're able to disintegrate attachments that shouldn't be there. And we're able to block out anger and aggressiveness from other people and from ourselves. And it brings us to a place of calm. It's actually a tremendous stone for meditation. Hi, have we meditated? <laughs> No, 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 I have because I've been like, you know, in my mermaid teas and I've been in the water. So I've been having some meditative moments, but oh golly, not the way I should have been doing it. Um, have you, be honest, have you meditated? You probably have. Y'all are better witches than I am. Well, we're all bad witches, but like I'm the baddest witch sometimes. <laughs> so if you have been meditating, I am proud of you, of course. Congratulations on doing it. You know, we haven't been bringing it up every week because we've had so much other stuff to talk about, but how light, because it does bring such a sense of calm and such a sense of peace. And it's really a centering stone. It allows us for a more clear and a more purposeful and a more focused meditation. And it also is kind of a connector between different realms, different worlds. And that's why I do call it like an elevation stone, because not only are you elevating yourself and elevating your practice, but you're also able to elevate to different realms to different experiences. And you know, that's kind of a long term goal of what we're all doing here and of meditation for sure, is to not just stay in this one plane that you're on. So yeah, how light did I tell you what it looks like? It is a beautiful white stone um, that has veins. I was gonna say striations, but I don't know if that's quite the correct word. Like when I think of striation, I think of malachite and the different levels and varying greens in it. But howlite is a white stone and it has veins of 
gray and black and brown usually it kind of looks marbled and then a lot of times you will find it um, that has been dyed blue and so it kind of mimics turquoise just like crystal cola you gotta be careful when you're picking out your stones and your crystals make sure you get the right one for the right thing because some of them do really look quite similar and do mimic each other but yeah so how light is our stone of the week or crystal of the week and I think it's one of those good universal ones you know we hear so much about amethyst and moonstone and uh, citrine and malachite all the ones that we've we've in quartz rose quartz of course all the ones that we have started on this podcast reading together and we talked about those stones and those are so essential to your like witch 101 and not just witch 101 it's they're good for witches of all levels of practice and I think howlite is just as essential you just don't hear about it as much so if you've already worked with howlite it's something that's already a part of your practice let me know I'd love to know what your experience with it and what you find it does for you and uh if this is your first time hearing about it it's a good one y'all <laughs> it's a really really good one okay so we've done our stone of the week we have talked about mati probably not saying that right we have got to start getting into these witches y'all i was trying to think of the right order to talk about the different types like should i do alphabetical why am i by the time I'm going to record this and then you're going to hear it and you can't tell me how to do it. Why am I asking right now? Um, I mean, you know what? I'm just going to go in the order of what speaks to me. And I think I want to start with Sea Witch since I may or may not be one. I may be Ursula again. Um, I am wearing a really bright red lipstick right now. Yeah. Yeah, she's calling to me. I'm feeling it. So yeah, let's talk about sea witches first. And no, you don't have to have your personal Calvary of uh, eel sidekicks to technically be a sea witch. So a sea witch, and you might, so you can refer to a sea witch as a water witch, an ocean witch, even a river witch. Oh, wow. River witch. I knew this was going to go left. I just knew saying witch so many times in a row was going to be hard for me. Um, so it's not strictly a sea witch, right? That's just kind of the terminology that we've grown up with. And just in the ancient roots of witchcraft, these are the words that we use. Um, but you can say water witch. There is a difference between being a sea witch and kind of in the realm of bodies of water versus being an elemental witch. And then in that breakdown, a water witch in that way. But we'll get to that in a second. So where sea witches thrive is the sea bodies of water, the ocean, that is where we, <laughs> we, here we go. I'm already making it a, a personal story. That is where sea witches draw their power. That is where they're at their strongest. It's kind of like putting a light into a light socket and the electricity hits and light comes on. Put a witch into the water and she's a sea witch and that power is going to start, you know, just electrifying through her. You know, if you're in the Facebook group, I posted that video when I was in Balos and I was showing, I was just like, look at the way the the sunlight is hitting the water. It looks like electric currents. That's how it feels for a sea witch to be in her element. And literally not just in the water element, but in the sea, I'm not going to say that sea witches can't control animals. <laughs> I can't say that I control those fish that just kept popping up when I would think about them. But what I will say is that you may find that a familiar is a sea based or aquatic based life form. And that they tend to use um, properties of the sea to to bolster their magics, seashells, birch, sands, um, specifically ocean water, like that that salty. Oh, you know, I love salt when I talk about water. <laughs> you know, you know, I love not just the plain water, but a good sea salt situation. Wow, sea salt situation. She's 
sell. She's, she, no, can't do it. Okay. <laughs> Never mind. So yeah, um, sea witches will use things found in the natural realm of the seas, of the oceans, of the rivers to power their magic. And there, there is more of an emphasis on being present at the seashore, being present on a beachfront to really, really tap into kind of the wholeness of that ability and that energy. And that's, that's where the line is with how you know you're a sea witch. If you just level up <laughs> the second you hit some, a body of water, if you, you feel that buzzing energy, if you've already always been called to using, you know, seashells and sand dollars and sand itself in your spells and in your magic, that's your connection right there. And you know, that does, it should also, it, it should also be said that I am very respectful about taking things from the seashore because I know it belongs to the earth and to the sea and not to me. So just for my practice, I do it in the water. <laughs> you know, I touch what I need to touch. I, I breathe in what I need to breathe in. I listen to what I need to listen to, but then I let everything remain there because I don't believe that it's mine to take. Um, which is another thing, another like witch kid thing, you know, when you're a witch kid, and I mean, all kids like to collect seashells and stuff like that. But witch kids, especially sea witch kids are like, driven to do it. It's like, if I don't have this, I am incomplete. <laughs> so I definitely would collect them as a child. You know, you just don't know better. But as an adult, when I go out into the water and I say certain prayers or blessings or rituals or whatever, incantations, whatever it is I'm working with, or am I talking to Yamanya, who's one of our goddesses and she's one, our mother ocean, basically, I try to leave everything as is. And I put myself into the situation. I remove myself from the situation. I'm responsible for myself only. So if you too feel like you can command fishies, and you feel like you level up in the ocean and near bodies of water, you just feel that, that electric current again. It's like a plug being put into a socket and you just, you're making that connection and you're, you're vibing. You just may be a sea witch. And if you actually do have eel sidekicks, and you can breathe underwater, you might be Ursula. <laughs> so you're definitely a sea witch. You know, I, being a mermaid is fun. You know, everyone wants to be a mermaid nowadays and have the mermaid hair. And I'm totally about it. I love a mermaid life. I love a mermaid tea. But don't you think being a sea witch is like a little bit more fun? Anyway, we got to move on to the next one. And you know, when I was doing my research, because as always, I have an idea of all this stuff and I, I am versed in all of it, but it doesn't hurt <laughs> to do a little bit more of a research and a deep dive because I certainly don't know everything. I make mistakes, not just weekly and here, but in every day of my life. Um, so everyone I was reading, if you're, are y'all like this? When you read something, you're like, oh, that's me. No, I'm not 17 different kinds of witches. <laughs> I have to just stay in my lane. But I do think it would be very normal while you're listening to this, and if we do do a part two, to say, oh, that's me, and that's me, and that's me. There's no rigidity in what we're doing, you know, and in our practice, we talk about that from the very beginning. You don't have to wear the all black and make sure it's black lace and the points he had and go out into the woods and wait until 3.33 in the morning under a full moon to do and face west to cast. It doesn't always have to be like that. Is it okay to be like that? Absolutely, because that is someone's practice, but it doesn't have to be yours. So if you feel like you're a little bit of a sea witch and a little bit of a hereditary witch and a little bit of a kitchen witch, 
and a little bit of a solitary witch. You can be a little bit of everything. That's what makes us all beautiful, and that's what makes our coven come together and have so many varied aspects. So anyway, speaking of hereditary witches, I have a sneaking suspicion that a lot of us are. This is not me doing the thing I just said where I was like, oh, I think I'm all these things. <laughs> no, I really do think. I do believe to an extent what I, my natural magic is hereditary. I believe that a lot of people's natural magic is hereditary. I want to make a reference to Harry Potter, but I haven't watched it enough. I'm not, I wasn't like a Potterhead. I only read the last book because I like trends and I'm susceptible to things. Um, and I was in London when it came out. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to read it. All my friends are reading it. I don't know anything. Dobby. Um, the, the, um, the Sorcerer's Stone. Okay, we listen. <laughs> Number one, a lot of you are yelling at me like, what are you talking about? Why don't you know any of this? And we don't have time for this. Um, but Hermione, if I'm making a correct reference, I she her parents were not magical, right? But then she was born a witch. So when I'm thinking about the hereditary witch thing, it can very much be that witchcraft and natural magic has come down the line and it has come to you. But I also believe that a witch can be born of non-magical parents or grandparents or, you know, any kind of hereditary witchcraft in your DNA situation, as well as I think even if you're not born a witch, even if it's not natural magic, I think everyone does have the capacity for magic. You know, I said that in the very first episode, I believe it now. Even if it's not something that naturally comes to you, it's a skill. It's like anything else. You can pick it up to some capacity. You might not be, you know, the most powerful witch. You might not be Sarah from the craft. There it is. We finally got to our reference this week. But it doesn't mean you can't do it just because you're not born with it. You know, maybe you're born with it and maybe it's the Book of Shadows and you picked it up somewhere. So don't stress. But yes, a hereditary witch is someone that has magic that is passed down through their lineage, through their DNA, and it is uh, still intact. So I like to look at it twofold because I feel like even if you don't practice witchcraft, it doesn't make you not a witch. My mom does not practice witchcraft. It doesn't make her not a witch. Because, like, I'm up on game, and I've seen all the things she's capable of doing, but she don't have to do it if she don't want to. It's a free world. You, well, you know mostly, but <laughs> you don't have to practice witchcraft if you don't want, even if you do possess natural magic. And even if it is something in your bloodline, you know, a lot of people come from long lines of XYZ and they take their own path in life. And some people's worst nightmares be like their family and that's okay. Some school of thoughts are being a hereditary witch is not only that you have that lineage of magic and it's been passed down through your DNA and like a very cellular level but it's also that you practice within your family lines. And so you don't like, from the start, you're not setting off on your own path of magic. You're not creating your own. You're practicing the, the ma magic that the whole family practices. Well, not the whole family, but you're practicing the magic that the family practices. And it's a very kind of insular situation. And some belief is if you choose not to practice, then you are no longer a hereditary witch. My belief is that no matter what, what you're made of and who you are at your most authentic level is who you are. And you can't necessarily change 
that aspect of it. So if you are born a witch, you're born a witch. Do you have to practice? Absolutely not. But to me, that doesn't make you any less of a hereditary witch. So again, in one aspect, it is you are a part of a familial coven and you participate in those familial practices and you have the same traditions and the same rituals and all of that. Or, and, or it is that it's simply something that you have inherited. You were born with natural magic and more times than not, it is something that is passed down. There you go. <laughs> so speaking of, if you go with the concept of a hereditary witch being someone that practices within the family unit and is dealing with not just DNA that's passed down, but actual rituals and practices that have been passed down and kind of the same familial magic, the, I guess, antithesis of that would be, but there's still a connection. I'm going to explain in a second, obviously. <laughs> That's all we're doing. Um, is the solitary witch, which is another type of witch that you can be. Solitary witches don't practice with a coven. They don't practice with a family, with a group of people, just like it sounds. Solitary witches, they do their own thing in their own way. And one of the beliefs with solitary witches is that they also carry the DNA and the lineage of witchcraft. And it kind of comes with them, comes with them through lifetimes. And at some point they have this magical puberty, <laughs> not that regular puberty is magical. It is a nightmare situation, horror show, but you go through the spiritual kind of magical puberty. I'm trying to think of a better word than puberty. I mean, that's what it is. And you kind of come online again with this magic that is inherent to you that you've had in other lifetimes. And so they don't necessarily need a coven to practice with because they already have all the knowledge and they have the natural magic and it's very strong and it kind of just kicks up and each, each lifetime again when the time is ready. This is what we would call a teen witch moment where you <laughs> turn 16 and then you just become a full-fledged witch and you're super powerful and you're the most popular girl in school because, you know, take that. And not to be like, oh, I'm always witches. But I've talked about in this podcast a lot that when I hit 30, I had... I guess my, my witch puberty and I really, really came in full force and things just escalated from there and elevated like how light. And so, and a lot of my practice has been solitary. I mean, honestly, the bad witch coven has been my first true coven. I have had mentors. I have had friends that are into it. I have, you know, had a community in sense, but I've never practiced in conjunction with other people. It's like this thing. I always felt like I was this thing my whole life. And then it got really, really strong at some point when I stopped ignoring it. And then I started practicing just on my own because I didn't know where to find a coven. That's why we're all here because it's kind of hard to find, you know? Um, I know a lot of people will say I'm the only person like me that I know, and I'm not comfortable just telling my everyday good friends about it. So that's why we all have each other. But yeah, I'm sure a lot of us practice as solitary witches. And that's why I'm saying like, you can definitely be one kind of witch, but you also don't have to be that witch forever. I was a solitary witch for a really long time, but now I have all of you and we all do things together. And I'm sure, you know, as I meet more people in my real everyday life, I mean, not that this is my real life, but in my everyday life where I'm actually seeing people face to face, I'm sure that I will be more interested in being in the folds 
of community and not just being solitary. But yeah, solitary witches are very powerful still. And so I don't want to say they don't need the powers and the rituals, you know, and the vibrations of a coven. But they do, they do pretty good on their own, <laughs> you know, and that can be a choice. Some people just like to practice their magic by themselves. Some people just want to have that focus and, and that, not initiation, focus and, I don't know, they just want that focus. You know, it's hard to focus on things, obviously, I just forgot my word. And in the sol being in solitude is the best way for some people, it just is. And being in community is the best way for other people. But solitary witches, they're nonetheless powerful just because they choose to do it on their own. And the thought is, for some, that the solitary witch is a witch that has been carrying it for a long time. And it has come through many lifetimes. And when it hits and those memories start flooding back and those that muscle memory starts kicking in, you already know what to do. You know, there's not so much that needs to be learned as needs to be... I don't, I almost don't even want to say relearn because it's like muscle memory. It really is. It's already in you. So we have our hereditary witch working within one situation, but that has the magic through lifetimes and through, you know, all those lines. And we have the solitary witch that works by themselves, but still has that magic that's coming down time and time and time again, lifetime and lifetime and lifetime again. So it's just whatever floats your boat. <laughs> it's whatever you're drawn to naturally. That's the kind of witch you are. Speaking of natural, y'all these segues I'm really trying to think ahead while I'm speaking to be able to <laughs> segue correctly and not just be like number one number two but if I can't think of you know anything smooth I'll just say next <laughs> but speaking of natural let's talk about our green witches for a long time I actually confused green witches and kitchen witches because the way I learned it and kind of the people I encountered that were green witches used their own herbs and all the plants that they grew themselves and cultivated themselves as a part of their magic, not just in potions, but also in cooking. And I mean, there, there surely is a connection between being a green, I was about to say a queen witch, a green witch and being a kitchen witch, because you're dealing with the natural world and then the concept of like home and hearth and kitchen and warmth. And those things are definitely, you know, pretty closely related, but a green witch specifically are witches that are very, very connected to the earth and all things green. You would also refer to them as forest witches. Anyone that has a green thumb, not I. This is the one I can say for sure is not me. <laughs> I don't enjoy even being outside unless it's bodies of water. That's why I get girls a sea witch. But about they're all about not only that connection with nature, but really utilizing nature and their magic. They grow their own herbs. They grow their own plants. They're extraordinarily good at it. They can create their own potions from those things. And they are very, very much healers. It, it is something about that, you know, we did this whole Earth episode, this whole Ash episode, but it is something to be said about the idea of Mother Earth. Earth. Why are, th why are there so many TH words? <laughs> but the concept of Mother Earth and how she nurtures us and she provides so much for us and she heals us and she keeps us fed and clothed. Well, yeah, you can make clothes out of leaves, can't you? I mean, anything can be a material. Actually, yes, I was at the store um, yesterday, just shopping around, you know, doing the vacation thing. And I met this person who has this amazing eco store and everything is ethically sourced. And he had um, leather, quote unquote, handbags for sale that were made from the leaves of pineapple trees and the leaves of coconut trees. So yes, we can make all kinds of sustainable materials out of Nature, that's not the point of this podcast. <laughs> Hit me up on my Instagram if you want to hear more about the fashion stuff. 
but yeah, she clothes us, she feeds us, she nurtures us, she heals us. And so green witches are very much healers in the aspect of they carry that energy of the earth because they're so connected to it. And also because they're able to use these um, plants and these herbs that they cultivate themselves and put them into potions and those potions and those salves. Salves? Salves is a word, right? You know, the things you put on when you get a burn or a cut or something that just heals you right up. They're able to create those things. And that is also healing. So it's healing in the sense of, in an emotional, spiritual sense, but also physically. They can be witches that are physical healers for us. And the thing that's so special and so beautiful about green witches is that they are not just growing herbs and, you know, cultivating plants and flowers because they want to use it in a spell to come. That is their magic right there. They put their hands into the ground and they put their hands, you know, around the seeds that they're working with or the buds or whatever. And the whole process is about that magic. It's magic from the day they plant something to the day that they put into a potion. And so it, it really carries all the way through. And it's such a deep kind of ancient magic and kind of witch to be because before we had anything else, we had the green earth and that was our resource, you know? And so I adore green witches Please shout yourself out if you happen to be one. I know we did a thread in the Facebook group a while ago. I'm going to re-up it for these episodes um, about what kind of witch are you. And so let's check back in with each other because we have way more members now. I'm great. When did I do that? Who knows? What is time? Time is a circle. Anyway, <laughs> I don't know. It's not linear, right? We're just all moving through time and space and doing our best. But I know a few people said they were kitchen witches. I think a few people said they were green witches. There's one... Um, beautiful, lovely soul. I know personally who's a green witch and she's just so connected. She's like, I say this in the most positive loving sense. She's just so like down to earth and crunchy and hippie. And I admire that about her because she doesn't stress about material things, whatever she needs, whatever she wants, she knows she can return to the earth for it. And that is such a thing that we're lacking in our world now and you know you get so caught up in worrying about xyz and imagine if you could just be like well i'm just gonna grow these i'm gonna grow this lavender and grow this rosemary and i'm just gonna turn into a potion and i'm gonna deal with whatever i'm dealing with like what a way to live i wish i could be a green um witch but i'm too afraid of bugs and i'm also afraid of the forest and i'm also afraid of like nighttime so i just can't do it but since we've talked about our green witches we need to talk about our kitchen witches because what they have in common is, um, and the kitchen witch, of course, more because she is in there doing the thing and cooking it up and, and making it pop, is that they do both deal with cooking to an extent. Because if you think about the kitchen witch making the magic with her, her recipes and her ability to cook and put it all together, we're getting like the ingredients from the green witch, you know. But the green witches definitely do the cooking up themselves as well. Just as the kitchen witches will also grow their own ingredients and you know whatever they have in their home garden they use that in their magic you know if you really think about it recipes and spells aren't that different I mean when you have a recipe you might have you might call for one carrot two bulbs of onions onions come in bulbs yeah you know some garlic uh chicken broth whatever you're making. I don't know recipes, especially any ones that aren't pescatarian related, but it's the same thing where you're, you're doing a spell and you have, say you need one pink candle, one red candle, um, one tablespoon of honey, one thimble of salt. You know, we have these lists that we kind of break down to create our magic. 
And then we actually have the patter of the magic. And recipes and spells do kind of have a similar patter. So our kitchen witches, you know, of course it makes sense that the recipe to them is their spell and they're putting their magic into that. And they are very home and hearth based. I always think of a kitchen witch as just being kind of the epitome of warmth. You know, when you go into a house and you smell warm baked bread and you can feel that the oven's been open and or like, because they're also called cottage witches and it makes me think of like those cartoons um, from back back in the day, not like, you know, Spongebob. Actually, I think this was an episode of Spongebob with the pies, where you put the pie on the window seal and, you know, like people can just smell it from all around. That's what I think about when I think about a kitchen witch. They are about the home being warm and being a sanctuary because, you know, wherever we practice our magic, we do have to have this concept of sanctuary, be it that if you're a sea witch, your sanctuary is the water. If you are a green witch, your sanctuary is the forest. If you are um, a hereditary witch, your sanctuary is within the bones of your family. That's where the warmth is. And if you're a solitary witch, it's whatever sanctuary you want to create for yourself. If you create a, if you're casting a circle, for example, that's a sanctuary too. And so the kitchen witch is about, or the cottage witch is, or the home witch, the hearth witch, whatever, you know, lots of names. They are about the home being the sanctuary and the warmth of the home. I always, always, always think of Vesta, our goddess of home and hearth, when I think of that and just warmth and walking into a kitchen witch's sanctuary and feeling like a warm blanket has been put around me and like they offer me a, a cup of cocoa or like a warm apple cider or something. So yeah, you are a kitchen witch if you really focus putting your magic into your cooking and and working through recipes kind of like spells or, or tying them together and making rest of spells or spell a piece. <laughs> ridiculous. Um, and if you are cultivating your own herbs, you know, I, that's why I do think of the garden, witch and the garden, witch. well, you can, yeah, you can say that too. The green, witch and the kitchen, witch being really, really close in conjunction with each other. Um, but one has more of the emphasis on the earth and on producing and on potions. And one has more emphasis on cooking and recipes and creating magic that way. I hope that makes sense. But they are, they are more alike than not alike. And another witch that would be kind of all of, well, we haven't talked about really fire area, but let's talk about the elemental witch because we have talked about the connection to sea and to forest green so far. An elemental witch, I mean, we've done our elementals, our elements, right? So um, when I did those episodes, I called them elemental. And if you are a witch that really, really deals with the elements, and I don't mean like I'm casting a circle and I'm calling you know, to the west or to the south, and I'm calling on my water, my fire, my air, my earth. We all dabble in that. That That's just part of being a witch. We are connected to the elements. We're powered by the elements. We know that by now. But if you are a true elemental witch, and I keep saying, <laughs> I keep saying elemental witch, because when I say elemental, that's what I mean. I don't, the witch is understood. You know, elemental is just how I refer to them. I don't know how that got stuck in my head. But it's not just the connection that we all share. It's that this is for elementals. This is truly where your power lies and where your interest lies. And you're just taking elementals, just take it to a deeper level when dealing with the elements. It's always all about the elements. That is their wheelhouse. That is their focus. Whereas, you know, we may dabble in, Oh, I'm working with dreams and emotions. So I need to work with water. I'm working with, you know, bolstering courage, uh, and bravery for a certain situation. So I'm going to work with fire. I'm going to acknowledge these things. I'm going to work with them. Elementals are like deep in it. And 
they have such a balanced understanding of the elements and how they work in conjunctions with each other and how they work separate of each other. So again, I feel that all witches dabble in elemental magic, obviously, like it's, it's unavoidable. It's a huge part of casting the circle. It's a huge part of our, just our practice, but also who we are as witches and as people. I mean, whether you're a witch or not, the elements are pretty key. You know, That's why they've been around since antiquity and been acknowledged and been written about and not just in the capacity of magic. But yeah, elementals are, it's just their wheelhouse. That's where they belong. Their sanctuary is kind of the center of the circle where spirit resides is where the elemental resides because it's just all kind of swirling around them all the time. And that energy is what's powering them. So like I said, you can be a sea witch, but it's not the same as being an elemental. And, and the thing with elementals too, is you can definitely still ascribe to a certain property more than others. So you might be more aligned with water, might be more aligned with fire, but you try to honor them all equally, try to have altars to each and each are representative, each are represented in different ways, you know, by the different correspondences we've talked about in past episodes and whatever you feel fits your altar and, and fits your relationship. Um, but you can definitely be more attuned to one. Whereas a sea witch is specifically about bodies of water, specifically about the sea and using, using tools that are from that natural landscape. Makes sense. <laughs> Let me know if you have any questions about that. If you do, email me, Facebook me, Twitter me, Instagram me, whatever, Skype me. I don't know. I'm going to, I'm seriously just going to put my phone number out there one day. Y'all can all text me. But, uh, I know, like put it out there one day. Who am I? Jennifer Lawrence. Like you can have my phone number. It's not that big a deal. But yeah. Um, so a sea witch is more sea bound, more bodies of water bound. Whereas you can work with water, you can work with fire. You can work with earth. You can work with uh, air without having to specifically be encapsulated in something that represents that. You can be in a circle and work perfectly well with all those. You can be surrounded by your altars and work perfectly well with all those. Whereas a sea witch has to be in 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 the sea business. <laughs> you know? that's, that's where they thrive. Okay, let's cut it there for this week because I have like five, six, seven more types I want to talk about next week. And we are pushing up on an hour and a half and we haven't even gotten to our homework assignment yet. So we got to cut it. So of course, I think you may have figured out your homework this week. Uh, first of all, it's going to be meditate because we haven't put that out there in a while. So let's make sure that we're getting in at least one good meditation session. Um, especially if you are an aforementioned witch in this episode, let's try to bring in meditating for the type of witch that you are. So if you are a sea witch, try to get into a body of water. If you can't, hell, just sprinkle your bed with, or not your bed. Oh, that would be like mildew. Just <laughs> sprinkle your bathtub or add some sea salt to your bathtub. You know, get a good meditation vibe going. Not all of us can get to the water. That's perfectly fine. Um, if you're a green witch, sit out in the forest, out in your garden and, and sit amongst your plants and, you know, get a meditation going. If you're a kitchen witch, Sit in the warmth of your kitchen while you're baking something delicious and letting that smell just take you over. If you're an elemental witch, you know, sit with your altars and sit with one representative of each element and let that be the space within that you, the space within which you meditate, whatever. If you're a hereditary witch, um, I mean, I don't know if you can necessarily just sit with your family that, oh, you don't have to sit with your family, 
but you can use meditative and ritual practices that have been passed on from your family and, uh, you know, kick off your meditation that way and do practices that maybe your grandma taught you or your favorite aunt or your mom or whomever. Uh, and if you are a solitary witch, well, that's the best way to do it because meditation is really great when you're trying to do it just by yourself on your own in a quiet space. So I think you already know what to do. So yeah, meditate is definitely, uh, meditating in line with whatever kind of witch you are. <clears throat> if you are one of the witches that has already been mentioned is your homework this week. Your other homework, ooh, two assignments. Is that mean? Okay, no, we're going to have to do two because it's June. We have to. <laughs> Your other homework is, because meditation is your always your underlying homework for this podcast anyway, is I want you to share what kind of witch you are. Whether we've done yours yet or not, no big deal. If you uh, want to email, if you're in a Facebook group, I'm going to start up the thread again so we can talk about it. I'll start a thread on Twitter as well. But uh, yeah, if you're one that I mentioned already, share that. And if you're one that I haven't talked about yet, share that too. Because I have, I think, five or six more I want to talk about. But there has to be more than 15 to 20 types of witches. So I there's definitely ones out there I haven't found out about yet. And so educate me and then, you know, we'll educate everyone together. So yeah, sh do your meditation, do your witch-based, witch-type-based meditation, or share what kind of witch you are. Or if I said something today that you've been trying to figure out what kind of witch you are and you're not... You're not 100% certain yet. You're a baby witch. You're new to your journey or you're, you put it down and picked it back up, whatever your circumstances. You, I would say, take this week before we get to the next batch of, batch of witches if something really stood out to you, you know, deep dive it a little bit more and say that sea witch thing sounds kind of familiar or that hereditary witch thing. Yeah, I, I think, I think that might be me or green witch. Like I've always been really drawn to making potions and growing my own stuff and I have a phenomenal green thumb, you know, whatever it is, just take a second to deep dive it. It's okay if you don't know what kind of witch you are. I didn't find out I was a sea witch until three days ago when I was standing in the sea and I just, I realized that I could like maybe talk to fish. So you have plenty of time. Don't stress about it. And of course, because it's June, I want to wish a very happy, very magical pride month to all of you out there, regardless of how you identify. It's a beautiful time and let's just all celebrate each other. Let's celebrate our differences. Let's celebrate the ways we're, that we're the same. Let's look out for our marginalized communities, whether we are a part of them or we're allies to them. Let's just do our best. And I'm wishing everyone a safe, happy Pride Month. If you're celebrating Pride, awesome. I'm there with you. Uh, let's let's let this be a really good month. Let's meditate. Let's do our magic. Let's celebrate Pride. Let's be there for each other. Let's be in our allyship. Let's be present. Let's be loud. And let's do the damn thing because we deserve good. And if that's one thing we can learn from this podcast, <laughs> if you've learned nothing else... <laughs> If everything else has just been me chattering away and you just like hearing, you know, the noise when you're driving or on a plane ride or doing whatever, doing laundry, if nothing else, let the one lesson from this podcast be that I deserve good. You deserve good. We all collectively deserve good. Don't let anyone else tell you otherwise, because if they do, if they tell you that they're lying to you and we don't listen or abide liars in this coven or in our everyday lives. So I love you all so much. Happy Pride Month one more time. Um, I'm so excited to find out what kind of witches you all are. And if you have, uh, if you're not exactly sure yet, to just see what evidence you have to say, oh, I might be this or I might be that. There's a whole big witch world out there and we all fit in somewhere, right? Thank you so much again for the downloads, for the reviews, for showing up every week and for doing the work and hopefully the fun work and just for listening and being here. You're energy keeps me going every week and wanting to come back and do this. And 
I hope that you really do know that at any time you can reach out to me. I know I always say, call me BB if you want to reach me, but I really mean that. Don't be shy. Don't be afraid. There's nothing you can say that I'm going to judge you or make you feel ashamed or hurt your feelings. I will try my damnedest to never do that. But let me be a full resource to you all the way you are to me. I've learned so much from talking to all of you. It's amazing. And I love your recommendations and I love your suggestions. And we maybe just have to do, well, not have to, but we can do an episode soon where we just, you know, read off emails and we, I can share all the amazing suggestions, recommendations I've gotten from all of you. Cause there've been some really, really, really stellar ones, but yeah, just thank you so much again. I love you all tremendously. I cannot tell you how much good you do deserve because I can't put it into words. I just know that you all deserve it because I can feel it every week and I can feel your vibrations. I can feel your love. And I hope I'm bouncing it right back to you. You know, that I hope I for an eye in a good sense, <laughs> no one's putting out any negative vibes. So what I'm reflecting back to you is all the good that you reflect to me. Um, the Bowage podcast at gmail.com, facebook.com slash, nope, it just put in bad witch or patreon.com slash bad witch. If you want to join the Patreon, I love you all tremendously. I am wishing you a wonderful week ahead. I know we got some new moon goodness coming on. So we have a time for new beginnings, for a new start. Just take a deep breath, prioritize, meditate, get some good answers, and we're going to get through it. Until next Wednesday, my beloved baddies, blessed be, blessings to all of you. I hope everyone is just out there doing the damn thing, and we will talk soon. Goodbye. <laughs>